If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and it's time to get lost and rewound. Hello, faithful listener. You are about to embark on a journey, courtesy of Radio Free Brooklyn, streaming worldwide from the unofficial epicenter of anarchist jurisdictions from a basement somewhere in Brooklyn. I am Alon Danziger, bringing you another installment of Lost and Rewound. We do, in fact, have a lot of show to get to today. In fact, it's a good one, a positive one. Escape into the past with me, if you will, uh, along with Rachel and Will in tow as usual. And please enjoy this interview that we had with Megan Pulls coming up in just a bit. But before that, I want to play an excerpt of one of her songs, which is available to stream on all relevant platforms. It's called Keep the Light On. singer-songwriter, originally hailing from Orlando, Florida. She released her debut EP, Keep the Light On, last year. This past summer, her song Freedom, written in response to the Black Lives Matter movement, was featured on demos for a difference, which is a benefit for the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. She compares songwriting to putting on a Band-Aid to help heal and overcome past obstacles. Here to elaborate on that and much, much more, 
Megan Poles joins us this week on LNR. Hiya, Megan. Hi. Thank you for having me. Was recording from home something that you have already been set up to do? No. No. Not at all. Not at all. How has it been adapting to the new realm of COVID and also putting things out? I mean, was this EP years coming or was this something that you that you were putting together right all through COVID? Well, the EP came out like last year. It's almost been a year. So it came out in October of 2019. During this time, I'm not comfortable still going into the studio and stuff. So I actually invested in a studio, sort of home studio setup here in my home, which is not something I ever thought I was like capable of or would have ever, ever yeah. done yeah. until this happened. Yeah, I got this like Focusrite, Scarlet 2i2, whatever. Oh my God. Okay. Hey, twinsies. Oh my God, twins. <laughs> Gear twinsies. Yeah, oh and I still God. don't really know what I'm doing. I just like pretend <laughs> like I do. Here's my thing that I plug into this thing. And I, you know, I did get a, I got a mic stand. So that was good. Making the best of the situation. I do think it's really interesting how I can be like, oh yeah, the last song that I recently put out is one that I like recorded in my bedroom and I just sent it to my producer and he just like finessed it whatever. It's just kind of yeah. crazy. But it's been, it's been a learning experience. I still, I don't know how to like produce or mix or anything. So that's something that I'm still wanting to learn, but I've got to like be dedicated to it, I think. Has there been a, a change in your style and in your quality since the beginning of COVID, would you say, or as a result of recording from your home studio? It's like certain themes, I suppose, that maybe that you've been, uh, obviously, notwithstanding because of the summer with uh, um, all the civil unrest um, and social yeah. unrest, I should say. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of, I feel like this whole period, like this whole six months has been like a transformation for me in terms of being a songwriter. And like, I'm just really writing so much I wasn't writing this much last year and I think I write like every day and sometimes it's like two three songs and I'm like what you know there's been some life events that have also happened you know I was working full-time as an executive assistant at a company um, until May and you know they they released me they let me go because of COVID and so I feel like it was like the universe kind of saying, okay, come on. I took this stressful thing away from you. And what are you going to do with that space? What are you going to, you know, what are you going to create with those, those things? And then also three weeks ago, I had an ear surgery. I had a, it was a tympanoplasty with a secular chain reconstruction. There was a hole in my eardrum that wasn't healing by itself. What? Um, in my left ear. And so because it's not healing by itself, it was affecting my hearing. Mm -hmm. And so the doctor had to go in and fix it. But when he was in my ear, he noticed that there was a bone that was eroded from an ear infection that I had last year. Oh. And he put a prosthetic bone in my ear. That's amazing. And it's actually the second time I've had the surgery. I had the surgery when I was 17 in my other ear. So it's Wait. like- Wait, yeah. oh, so this is round two. This is round two. Yeah, oh, except wow. this, this other time I didn't have the prosthetic bone, but my hearing came back and everything was good with it. So I'm putting it out there that it's gonna happen with the other ear. So going through that and going through like the fear and, the, and that stuff was 
also driving my writing because I'm like, oh my God, like this is just so intense. Like I'm having, you know, this done, like while there's a pandemic going on, I never thought like that I would do that. Just facing so much, like just, just so much stuff. And it's just, but it's been amazing and like super healing and super releasing for me that I get to control my day and I can wake up and I feel like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm feeling. Grab my guitar and like, let's, let's work it out. You know, have you written any songs about having a prosthetic ear bone? <laughs> um, I haven't, but that's a great idea. Um, I did write a song before my surgery called scars when I was going through the surgery when I was 17, I feel like I just wasn't emotionally there for myself and I didn't really move through things. I was just like, okay, sure, whatever. Like, yeah, like fine, like kind of thing. And now I'm just like the opposite. I'm like, okay, we're gonna write about this and this happens for a reason and intuition and all this stuff. And it's like, it's so different, the experience that I'm having with the same surgery and it, and it really inspires me to be like you know your childhood ghost kind of haunting you and coming Seriously. back bring us back to 17 year old megan growing oh up in orlando God. florida you are a classically trained actor and singer uh i know that you've uh -huh. done opera florida state right yeah from florida state yep and how heavily involved in musical theater were you before you went to school for it Oh, I was very, very involved. I mean, I was doing community theater every summer. I did two shows in one summer. I did a professional production of The Little Mermaid at Winter Park oh, Playhouse. Excellent. Which I excellent. got paid for, not very much, but I got paid for as a kid. Uh, that's a credit. Um, and then I would like run to another rehearsal. I mean, I was doing shows like, you know, obviously in high school, middle school, I just... I loved being on stage. I loved connecting with the audience and storytelling, and, and I just loved that. I was doing that a lot. Being in Orlando as someone who wants to be an entertainer or a performer, <laughs> were a lot of your friends who were involved in the same field as you more or less coerced into going more of the Disney route than more of uh, than the route that you went instead? Oh yeah, so I do. You know, I do have those friends, and this this is what makes me really unique. Like being from Orlando. I like Disney, but I'm not a Disney crazy person. Like, I'm not like, oh my God, let's go to like Magic Kingdom. And like, oh my God, let's go like drink around. Disney's fine. Like, it's fine. I, I don't, you know, I don't understand those people who would like sell their firstborn child to like, I don't know. But like, you've met them. But you've seen them. Yeah. You know them. They're, like, you've met them in person. So you have that context. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't see why people like would kill someone over Disney. I don't, I don't see it, but. It's I really a small appreciate world after all, okay. <laughs> In the same way that like, you know, side effects of COVID for you include increased productivity and superhero years. Like maybe <laughs> side effects of COVID for people in Orlando will be, you know what, Disney's not really that cool of a thing. Seriously. Yeah. Siblings. Any siblings at all. I have two sisters. One of them was living here and just recently moved uh, back to Florida. And then I have another one that lives in Los Angeles. Yeah, are they both in performing arts or are they in the entertainment industry in any way? So my well? sister, my the younger sister, she's 20, 24, I think. And she is a music theater performer. And then my other sister, she still sings and stuff, but she's, you know, she's not pursuing it. She's doing architecture or some smart thing like that. <laughs> 
your, your parents had to deal with three acting kids with three acting kids That's girls awesome. acting oh, it was singing a competition in our house like, oh tell you wait so wait where are you again in that lineup uh, are you uh, oldest or middle i'm or the youngest? oldest you I'm are the oldest. oldest oh wow so you kind of set the pace for the competition oh yeah interesting <laughs> i really did i kind oh. of whipped them into shape it was it was not good <laughs> God, your parents had a lot of cut out for them then. Um, obviously, there was probably one parent who was the, uh, not the soccer mom or, or the uh, soccer mom. dad. Stage yeah. mom, stage mom. My mother yeah, yeah. was, yeah. Oh, Big wow. stage mom, okay. My mom was having us go to auditions and like, you're, you're singing this, you're going here. And it's like, what? <laughs> Did you ever have um, one of those moments with, with any of your siblings, uh, like the one in Full House, the episode where um, both DJ and Stephanie auditioned for the Oak Boat commercial and DJ was going to get it and then Stephanie was acting all cute, so they hired her instead. Did you guys ever have moments like that? Um, yeah, there was, there was, yeah, the, I'm trying to think like jealousy. Yeah, there's a lot of jealousy. <laughs> there was, <laughs> there was one moment. So this is another weird thing about me and... I, I used to get paid to sing on the Barney track. What? Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, I'm like a B-list celebrity, like whatever. Wait a second. But that, they don't, that. you know, they don't sing live. So they, they play a track and they listen yeah. to it. So like if anyone's it. dreams are smashed hearing that, I'm sorry. So are you saying that on the Barney tapes that I have at home, you could be on them? Potentially my voice could, yes. Nah. That's wild. I used to get paid $40 an hour to go on there to learn. I'd get sent like in a FedEx envelope, like the script and a tape. And I'd have to listen to the tape, memorize the chorus really fast, memorize the songs really fast, spend my Saturdays five, six hours in the studio. And like, just, yeah, that was, that was like what I did on the weekends was like, okay, you have a Barney session. Like, okay. Unbelievable. Um, but I love but, it. Yeah. So in terms of jealousy, so my sister, who, Jenny, was also, you know, she's also a singer, beautiful singer. For some reason, I couldn't do the session or whatever, for whatever reason, and they asked her to do it. And I like found out and I was just like, no, that's my thing. Like, you can't just do that. You can't just like use Jenny. That's not fair. I was like, what do you mean she's doing it? And my mom's like, well, you can't do it. I'm like, that's my thing. So there was a lot of like, this is my thing. This is your thing kind of thing. And there was like a lot of like competition with sure. oh, wow. three singing sisters. Like so from what age do you, I just want to unpack how yeah. your parents got you into performing or whether it was your choice. I mean, I do believe that, that even in the womb, I was like just ready to come out and be an, an entertainer, a musician. Um, I do think my mother did influence us a little bit with like pushing us a little bit, but I am grateful that she kind of pushed us because it's kind of cool that, you know, she really believed in us. Like even from like being like seven years old, like, you know, I, I just think that was really cool. And my, my father is actually a singer too, and he plays guitar and he um, plays piano and he was like singing opera and stuff in his youth. And so he gave us that sort of like positive influence with, with music and musicals and everything as well. But I do think I made this choice um, to do that. What was the first instrument you learned to play? 
I learned how to play the piano when I was in like, well, I tried when I, like tried numerous times. I think I tried when I was in second or third grade and I got really bored with it. <laughs> and then I picked it up again. It would be like on and off. I think when we moved, cause I, I lived in England for three and a half years, like when I was a kid. And so when you I, were a kid, I, sorry, sorry. Yeah, when I was, so it was kindergarten to third grade. Oh, okay. We got like, my dad got transferred there. Um, so third grade. And then I think fourth, fifth, fifth grade, I think I tried again. There's a, a neighbor that lived across the street who was a piano teacher. And so it was like really convenient. I just go over there after school and, and like, you know, but I didn't practice. Like I just, I wasn't dedicated to that. And then when I had to go to college, I was required to take piano. So it kind of came back and it was like, yeah, you got to play. But yeah, that was my first instrument. That of which uh, eventually spilled out to learning how to play guitar. Was that once you got to school, uh, once you got to college, I should say? Or had you thought of, uh, flirted with the idea of learning multiple instruments outside of just playing piano uh, even before leaving the family household? I always wanted to play guitar because my dad and his family played it. Um, and I would pick it up and I would try to play it. But I think when I was 16, that's when I started just like playing around with it, but not being serious. And then I did end up a couple of years later, I did end up taking a guitar course at FSU. So I did learn some stuff, but my dad would be like, okay, this is like how you play G. This is how you play C. So my dad kind of gave me those building blocks ish. It seems like your dad uh, had quite a good influence on you on the uh, playing music tip. Uh, and I suspect that uh, you might have gotten a chance to have some father-daughter bonding uh, at a concert. Um, obviously, you have a very uh, strong connection with the opera, but was there maybe some more pop variety that uh, you got to go with him to? Oh, yeah. I've been to two Billy Joel concerts with my dad. My <laughs> nice. dad loves nice. Billy Joel. Like, he, yeah, he, he absolutely loves him. I feel like that's the most prominent one yeah. is is yeah. his love for billy joel and making sure that we knew billy joel and <laughs> you know what was the first as time every you father went, should as yeah, every right father yeah. <laughs> well last exactly. last week last week's guest uh was talking about how he had gone to see billy joel with his mom and how he was just like why is this guy doing three encores yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but uh, cu yeah. curious about uh how uh it was the first time you went to a show without him and what kind of uh music were you seeing on your own um that had an impression on you? I would say the first concert without my dad. I think it was the Spice Girls. Nice. I've... And I think he just didn't, like, he didn't get them. And he just, he doesn't like pop pop stuff. Like, for some reason, my dad, like, loathes Adele. If you put Adele <laughs> on, my dad is just like, turn that noise off. What? And I'm just like, but he's what? like, she's ruining her chords. I'm like, okay. I don't know why he doesn't like Adele. I personally love Adele. She pulls in my heartstrings, but you know, I don't know. She, she um, pulls on a lot of heartstrings. Yeah, she pulls she's, on a she's lot a, of heartstrings. She's a heartstring like, puller. Yeah, she's a heartstring puller. It's like her tone or something. I don't know why he doesn't like her, but it's her angst. There you go. It's the angst. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, so yeah, it's the Spice Girls. I we went with my mom, and mm. my mom was just like, "Yeah, your father just <laughs> was that not so for him." In that same vein of, of the first concerts being the Spice Girls, what was the first bit of music that totally became Megan's go-to? 
I mean, honestly, music theater is probably something that I was very obsessed with, probably more than mainstream and, and yeah. pop music um, when I was a kid. I used to walk around the house screaming tomorrow and like, just <laughs> waiting incredible. for Broadway to call me at the age of five, you know? And um, I like, it was so bad. I made my sister dress up like the dog once. You're really unpacking. Love. That's so good. Yeah, I did. I was like, I'm gonna be Annie, and you're gonna be the dog. And like, that's she like the original playing Frozen. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. And she's like, okay, because she was like two, and she like listened to me. Um, and I, I still feel bad about that, but um, I was, you? I was like a rambunctious yeah. child. Yeah. Um, oh, and also, Cats yeah. the Musical. Like, I, I for some reason. I was obsessed with Cats the Musical. Like, understandable. To yeah. the point of, like, I watched it 50 million times. And I just, It's not like, even Andrew Lloyd Webber stuff. It's, like, you just like that musical specifically. Yeah, okay. I, yeah that, that musical. I mean, I love Cats personally. I do. The dance break. I would just lose my mind. Like, it's the best thing ever. And I think, yeah, I think musicals were... That's what awakened me to music. How does one go from that, of which is very performative, to introspective in writing your own music? You said you started getting into songwriting seven years ago, and what event yeah. triggered to get you to that place where you've been just on that track since? It used to just be my own thing. It used to be me with my guitar, just working through my emotions and my feelings, and I never thought this was something I would actually do. I, I'm such a believer of like signs from the universe. And I kept getting these random things that happened. Like someone would say something like, hey, I like that. Or I lived above a record producer from Def Jam, like my first year here. And I used to play in my room and I saw him in the hallway once and he was like, hey, like, do you play? And are you singing? And I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry if I'm loud. And he's like, no, you're, you're really good. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> it's hard to have that confidence sometimes. Like I've struggled a lot with confidence and I feel like that was like one of the reasons why I was like, you can't do this. Cause you can't just be out there and talk about stuff and, and share your stuff. And, and, you know, and I feel like I just didn't believe in myself enough, but I've been on this journey where it's just like, okay, you have a voice, like you have a voice. People are listening to your voice. They care about your voice. And I think also, you know, being religious, the church really had a big impact in my decision to do songwriting as well. They were very nice and, and they let me write stuff for the choir and sort of like let me get my platform and, and my songs performing at the church, which was really special because that wasn't something that I was ready for, but it was almost like, okay, like w we believe in you. I can't tell you how many musicians I think the three of us know or, or, or that I know that are, that it's genuinely shocking how capable they are and yet have to deal with exactly that issue, right? Like, I don't know if I am, am capable enough to actually go put myself out there. And, yeah. But I mean, it's really cool that you have that social system that kind of allowed for that jumpstart. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And I'm, I'm forever grateful to that church because they just believed in me so much. And they were like, okay, people need to hear you. And, you know, it was, it was amazing. The first time 
I ever performed a song that I genuinely felt like I was proud of was was at the church and it, it was keep the light on and That's it was nice. with the whole band and the choir sang back up and it was just like what <laughs> crazy we have a, a lot of songs both new and old that you contributed this is a new single that you put out how would you compare the themes in keep the light on with the themes in how much longer yeah so keep the light on was actually written in inspiration of the women's march and i saw all of the women uniting and really were fighting so hard to be heard and i was just so inspired by that and and how even with all this negativity that was being thrown at them these you know hateful people and and stuff like that they were still going and they were still finding the, the way so keep the light on is about staying positive in a negative situation and trying to encourage other people that when they are going through things like this that they that they see the positive they see the light instead of focusing on the darkness um and then how much longer came out of isolation and and fear of the unknown and sort of you know, it kind of, it's just a very raw sort of, I, it's almost like a hymn because it's very repetitive and it's just, you know, when will this trial, when will this struggle be over? When will I be able to come out into the light? But then at the end of that song, I wanted to make sure that I didn't just end it with, with that sort of thing. I wanted to give it hope at the end and, and support at the end because um, I changed from I to we because it's so much about with my music. I, I want everyone to resonate with it. I want it to be their music and not just, not just mine. You've teed it up quite nicely, Megan. And now here with her new single, Here's How Much Longer by Megan Pulse here on Lost and Rewound. Exclusive, exclusive. <laughs> out my window I look out my window Oh, I look out my window Why Someone say 
Not just as a community, but as a way to help with your emotions. Um, I'm going to say I didn't feel that until I found um, this church community that I'm in now. And where is that? That's in Brooklyn? Yeah, it's First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn, uh, 124 Henry Street. I moved here and my, my dad, one of his stipulations was that I find a church job because you know, I needed some sort of income sort of thing. And I remember I, I auditioned at a bunch of churches. I didn't want to work at a Catholic church. I wanted to find a place where I was happy to go and, and sing and contribute, you know, even if I was, you know, getting a paycheck. And I remember I had my audition for the thing. So we went to the service and they sang I Won't Give Up by Jason Mraz. And I just was like moved to tears that a church would sing that. And I just was like, there's something about this place. Like it just felt so, so right. And I had my audition and the music minister was very honest with me. She's like, we just hired someone, but she's like, I really like you. I really want to like try to get you something. Even if it's small right now, like I'm going to try to get you up there. Like we're going to, I really want you to join us. I mean, I just felt that that was a place where you can come and be safe and like you can come and you can cry on Sunday morning and no one is going to judge you. And I did have some very dark times. Like, and if I didn't have that community, I don't even know what, what I would have done. They were so supportive and encouraging and they could tell when things were going wrong with me. You know, being in your 20s and, and being in New York and, you know, I was 23 when I moved here and I was just like, you know, I, I trusted everybody. I didn't think anything bad was going to happen to me. And it's just like, no, like you, you have to be self-aware and I, and I wasn't. It sounds like it was almost pure serendipity. I do believe it was serendipity. One thing I did leave out, so I, I did find this audition on Playbill. Oh, really? um, so we were emailing, but it was very serendipitous because I had never heard of a church that was singing something that wasn't religious Modern. and yeah, exactly. making it, but making it religious. 
and they're singing something that could be taken a different way. Like, I don't ever want to be just a religious singer. Like, I want to be a universal singer. I want people who, even if they're agnostic or, or don't, you know, or atheists, like, I want them to just get something from it. I don't want them, you know, I don't ever want to put people, I don't want to put myself in a box. And I think that was like really inspiring is that church, they show people that you don't have to be necessarily this high or religious or whatever. You God meets you where you are. I just never thought that existed because when I worked at my last church in Tallahassee, it was Baptist. It was oh, like man. fire or brimstone. Yeah. It was like you're going to hell. Like the 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 pastor would yell at the congregation it's every total, week. It's a total sea change when you're on a different side of the Mason Dixon line. I mean, it's a beautiful thing that it's helped you to create the music you're creating now. Yeah. Are you curious as to uh, how it will be to hear some of these older songs that you contributed? Oh God. Okay. Oh oh God. Uh- <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to be coming from you. Is that is that a, a good old God? That, no, no I, I, think it's, I think it'll be, yeah. I, I mean, I think sometimes I, I listen back and I'm like, okay, girl, like you, you're working through it. You're, you're okay. Um, I think I need to not like not be so judgmental of my past self because I feel like sometimes I think I'm like dramatic or like whatever, but I feel like I was also just, I was just being like, a, you know, a 23 year old, like, I just gotta forgive myself a little bit. But tell me what it means to be twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was there. Like when I moved here, I was just like, New York is going to give me everything, sort of. But I used to tell people like, because they're like, "What's it like living in New York?" And and I remember I would I would be like, "Well, it's like one day you get a cookie, and then the next day you get a punch in the face, and mm. then you get a cookie, and then a punch." And then you're just like, you know, you're, good things are happening. And then, and then wham, something bad happens. And it's What about a cookie scary. punch to the face? Yeah. And then sometimes you get cookie punches, which is like when they take the cookie and they just like whack you. It works know. like a brass knuckle. It's, it's, it's just weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your, your description has been pretty accurate for, for me so far. <laughs> right. That's well, right. I think you understand what I'm saying. I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, right. Like, seriously, it's so up and down. And it's like, when am I going to get a trophy or like something? I don't know. You're, you're so much more hopeful. You're so much more like, oh, everyone's nice to me. And. I don't know. You're you're just you're naive, I guess. That's good to know. There's more to come with me, Will, Rachel, and Megan right after this quick word from RFB. Stick around. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 non-for-profit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. To help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. Every cent helps us continue to stay on the air, so please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. The first track we're going to be hearing is called Darling, Don't You Ever Leave Me. Full disclosure, when I uh, tried to download this, just because, you know, these are on your SoundCloud. You have a very expensive SoundCloud, I should say, Megan. 
yes, you do. You do. And it's filled with a lot of goodies. Yeah. But we only have time to play so many goodies. And therefore, we're going to go with this one, of which when I tried to download it, it downloaded as voice memo. How many songs do you have that are voice memos over the years? Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> uh, Pulling the curtain. A lot. This was like the first song that I wrote and I was like obsessed with that I, I that I liked. Darling, darling, don't you ever leave me. This is a rough recording of it, but here it is.
I feel like I made my point and I'm just like going on and on. I, would, you, would you associate with the following statement? Every time I hear my old work, I only see what's wrong with it. Yeah. I feel, I feel like that's a universal among yeah. artists. And yeah. somebody who has no skin in the game in terms of hearing that for the first time, that was great. Not only were you recording something, but you put it on the internet for people to hear. So you put this ref draft recording out there at the time for people to listen to. This wasn't even something that you, like, you just wanted to have for your own, you know, for your notes. Yeah. So what kind of feedback did you get at the time when you released this? I was definitely confident about my SoundCloud because, and this, this reverts back to like another thing, kind of like my dating in New York. Um, I put my SoundCloud profile on my OkCupid okay profile. Hmm. So yeah, I was like, I, I think I was like a little flexing there. I was like, here's my SoundCloud profile, like on my OkCupid okay profile. That's ambitious. <laughs> See, people do that on Tinder. The fact that it was my SoundCloud is just, I, I don't even know. I, I think I was like, I wanted to show personality. Okay. More of me, I guess. I mean, I think that, that definitely does that. You know what I mean? Like you're showing your heart there, right? Like I think yeah. that would, I, I would find that appealing if I saw that in OkCupid profile, personally. Well, it's, it's funny because that's how my boyfriend and I met. Amazing. And he listened to one of my songs on the SoundCloud, I think. And was like, oh, I like this. And he's like, yeah, I wanted to meet you because I, I liked your music. And I was like, <laughs> Around the same time that you made the first track, you made a song called Blue. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, what is Blue about? Is it Blue's Clues? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No. This girl is like, she's blue because the guy, you know, isn't treating her right. Like, literally, sure. I had this, like, Taylor Swift syndrome. I think it's, I'm blue over you. And it's like, I don't know, maybe he's making her, yeah, I, he's obviously making her cry. Because blue is like the tears.
excellent. That was very like like the style is kind of reminiscent of Zoe Deschanel. Oh, Are you inspired yeah. I, I by was her? Obsessed with her. Amazing. I, I love her so much. Um, Me too. Were you listening to her? Were you a fan of hers when you were writing that? Uh, she and him. I I love mm-hmm. them so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt that in this. Um, the editing in that was not good. Like, so I, yeah, I caught that around a minute and a half. There was a very strange hiccup that kind of took me out of it for a couple seconds, and yeah. I was like, yeah. Okay. And I don't know why I didn't re-record it. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Like, literally cut out. Like, it's like it's like I spliced it. Like, that's the thing. It's like I don't think I knew what I was doing, and I was just like, oh, no one's gonna hear this. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Because you are discovering it, right? Like it really does seem super yeah. genuine. And so when the quality of the music comes through and it really is just you singing about something that's clearly very personal to you, yeah. it, it seemed all the more genuine. If I could go back, I would be like, do it again. But that's all right. What's Our Little World? Uh, this was made five years ago? This song is about unrequited love. He was a best friend in high school. At one point, he did like me. And then he started dating someone else. But I, this whole time, like, I was in love with him. And I just wanted to write a song about how it would feel like if he wanted to be with me. And now, with that, we listen to Our Little World by Megan Pulse.
Where did you record that? My parents' house in Florida. I see. So they had the grand piano that you uh, were able to have yeah. access to. Yeah, they have they have a nice piano. That recording, I think, was the first time I played it through. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I was going through a lot of stuff, especially with this guy, and I couldn't accept that, like, I always thought that we'd always be together and whatever. I was home, and we started drifting apart and stuff, and he started becoming, like, less and less, like, in my life, and... It was really hard for me. He was like literally someone that I really loved and it just was really hard to like face those feelings. The music that you're making being as universal as it is and being such a forgiving person as I, it seems like you are in many ways, yeah. your music is just as integral to those of whom have gotten you to where you are. It's yeah. not necessarily dedicated to anybody who is dealing with the things that you're dealing with, but those of whom are inflicting and have in the past inflicted for that sure same i think like you said like it's very universal it's very accessible everyone i think the coolest thing about music and songwriting is that you can take something away that's so different from somebody else and it's really cool how music can just be different things for people and people can think oh this is a storyline that could go with it would you ever write a musical Yes, I would actually. Yes, I would. And that's, that's one of my goals. Yeah, it's one yeah. of my goals. Yeah. I would be very intrigued to uh, hear what a Megan Pulls musical would be like uh, with uh, all that you have learned and all your musical talents. It's definitely in the cards for sure. Well, then uh, we're going to have to have you back to hear where you are in a year from now. Uh, <laughs> if not before. I know, right? <laughs> you are a, a delight. And uh, you gave us quite a, a lot of music to uh, uplift us and give us that hug that we need. Because we can't give hugs really right now. So. No. So sad. If people want to uh, listen to you online, uh, you are, as mentioned on SoundCloud as well, as um, Bandcamp and uh, where else? YouTube, I believe. Spotify, have some Spotify, Spotify, Amazon, <laughs> Apple Music. All You're all over things. the place. And, and you're, you are on every platform in every way, shape, and form. I am, yeah. And, and you got to hit up every platform. <laughs> MeganPulls.com. M-E-G-H-A-N-P-U-L-L-E-S.com. The one thing I do want to add on to this just before we get hearing songs and especially hearing stuff that is clearly just about you putting out there what is your like deepest darkest shit that you happen to be going through at the time yeah. that is some of the most cathartic stuff to listen to and so i just wanted to say that's been a real joy for me today sitting here listening to your stuff and it's been yes thank you so much for being on today your content was wonderful oh thank you guys i appreciate that
reminder that you can purchase the entire compilation that Freedom appears on at demos for a difference.bandcamp.com. All proceeds go to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. And with that, so ends another trip into our yesteryears by listening back to our past selves with fresh ears. Do you have clips from your past you'd be down to share? Pitch us an email. Email us a pitch. Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Do you want to hear what our past episodes may sound like going all the way back to 2016? Oh, you're much braver than I am. (laughs) Our entire catalog can be found on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, but check out our profile page for over 200 episodes. Yes, that is a real number at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash LAR. This has been episode 226 of Lost and Rewound. Be sure to check back in next week for another brand new edition of what you've hopefully not been missing. Only here on Radio Free Brooklyn. This is Elon signing out, telling you to wear a mask, stay informed and safe. Remember, for fuck's sake, that Black Lives Matter. And please vote. Peace. basically a a douchebag yeah yeah so do you think that that's like a standard female experience in the united states yes i do so this is a song is about a blue stag not a douchebag but a blue stag blue stag yeah don't worry. That's me just being extremely joke, joke daddy. Um, I'm the, I'm the Tell joke me daddy. more jokes, daddy. <laughs> <laughs>